Republican or a Democrat. I'm a truthican, and the truth as I see it is that we've been divided in this country by design by people who benefit from that division, and it's not going to turn out well for 99% of us unless we all come together as one human race, realize we have all the power, and tell the establishment to go fuck themselves. Before Trump won, then everybody was like, these election machines are all fucked up. They shouldn't be connected to the internet, and why are there computers inside them when they just got to count shit? But... Then Biden won, and they were like, no, they're fine now. <laughs> You're not smart enough to be my friend. Fuck you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Truth Again Podcast, formerly known as Nonsense. My good buddy, Mike Baldwin. Um, as always, there's always a lot to talk about. Never any shortage of that. Um and talk a little bit about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and uh, some stuff that went on this morning. Where did it go on this morning, Mike? What were we talking about? Uh, the Supreme Court said that uh, colleges can no longer use race as a factor when deciding what students to accept and not to accept. Was that... I'm kind of confused. That wasn't always the case? It should have been, but no, uh, Harvard was the was the main school involved in the in the court case. Uh, But it applies to all public colleges and all private colleges that accept public money from the government or something. But like Harvard, for example, found that they were having way too many Asians. So they started like taking points off of Asian people. Basically, if you compare like Asian, white, black, Mexican, they all had different criteria that they were letting them in on. Like an Asian person could get like a perfect SAT score and they could still end up with a lower score than like a Mexican girl who, uh, you know, had shitty grades or whatever. So they were letting people into schools that really had no business being there. And then statistically, those people were failing out of those schools because they shouldn't have been let in in the first place. But all these schools were just trying to fill this quota, you know. So it's still, I mean, shitty people are still going to be like, we need to do something about these Asians. But I don't think because, I mean, it will if they're going strictly by grades, then it's going to just be a ton more Asian people getting let into schools like Harvard and that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, that's its own argument, I guess, if you want to argue about whether China is sending people over here to take over our country from within and that kind of shit. But I mean, I think most of them are just American citizens that just want a good education, you know? Yeah. And not to mention that the Asians you know, if, if it's all about just race, then why do the Asians kick white people's ass in every category? And the answer to that, at least from what I understand, is the family unit is so tight in the Asian cultures that there's not near as many fuck ups, you know, and they're much more disciplined and strict and, and all of that. Um, yeah. No, I remember, uh, I forget the guy's name, but I remember working with an Asian comic who had a joke about that, and or he just mentioned in a joke, he was like, so the other night I was sitting around, I was doing some math problems for fun, you know, like Asians do, and I, I just, I will always remember that, because it's like, we talked about it after the show, and he was like, no, like, I, me and my sister both, like, we'll just 
look up math and shit on the internet and just solve math problems like it's just a thing that we do on the side for fun it's like a crossword puzzle or something like that you know so yeah it's definitely like instilled in their family units a lot more than uh than a lot of other people but I also know some piece of shit Asians too, who just never made anything of themselves. So once again, just proving that being a certain thing doesn't make you a certain other thing. But I bet shit, I dropped something. Um, I bet of all those piece of shit Asians that you know, I bet that they have some issue in their home life as well. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. So you don't know those people well enough to know that particular answer no i just know i mean like i've just i've smoked weed with and been drunk at bars and that kind of stuff with with plenty of asian people over the years like i've i can't say like that guy was a piece of shit but i can say for sure like that guy wasn't doing math for fun at home like he was just trying to get laid and get weed and whatever else you know like that when I say piece of shit, I mean the same way I would call myself a piece of shit, you know, like right. I'm not robbing people or anything, but I'm not like curing cancer or anything like that. I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where what video did you want to start with? Because I kind of do like that Bill Marwin just because it, it's kind of a jumping off point for, you know, sometimes sometimes I am guilty of not of wondering why people still haven't woken up to certain things. And this video to me illustrates a lot of it. And I don't think it's a very new video by any means. Um, but yeah, it, we'll, we'll watch it. Do you want to watch this uh, news clip about the Supreme court thing real quick? So we yeah. can keep that all in one thing. Right. Yeah, sure. All right. We'll do that. And then Bill Maher after that, stay tuned. If you're here to see Bill Maher. <laughs> What do we know at this point? Well, that's right. Affirmative action has been blocked both for private and uh, public colleges. This is in the UNC case and in the Harvard case. We thought there may be a split where they might say that it's <clears throat> unconstitutional for public universities taking public money, but perhaps not for private. But they've said in both cases, college admissions cannot consider race as they try to diversify their student bodies. Now, this is overturning a 2003 opinion by then Justice Sotomayor, who said at that time, we hope in... She's wrong. It was Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, but everything else is accurate. 25 years, we won't have to look at race as a consideration in college, but that's just not the makeup of our country right now. Well, it's been 20 years, and these justices have said that the court, according to this opinion today, that they think that race should no longer be a consideration as colleges try to diversify. Going back to oral arguments, we heard then from Chief, Chief Justice Roberts saying, look, it is, he basically saw it as more, being more racist in violation of Title 14 to look at race in considering who should be admitted to college. Harvard tried to argue this is just like trying to get an oboe player on our orchestra. We would look out for oboe players just like we would look at race and trying to diversify our student body. At the time, Chief Justice Roberts said no, because we didn't have a civil war over oboe players and we did over race. This will, of course, have historic impacts going forward as colleges try to diversify diversify their student bodies, looking at other things like geographical factors, poverty, any adversity that students
students have overcome, but they can no longer look at race. It's something that's already happening in eight states across the country. For example, in the public education system, the public system in California, they cannot look at race there. A lot of colleges have said it's been increasingly hard to keep their student bodies racially diverse. Hard to underestimate how big of a decision this is coming from the Supreme Court today. It may not be surprising given the composition of the court, but it will have long and lasting impacts on how colleges around the country diversify their student bodies without looking at race as a factor. I kept that part at the end on there where it says, this is who we are. And it's like, yeah, I know you're, you're trying to like the Obamas each came out this morning with like a statement that was just like, I can't like, this is a sad day in our country. Like that kind of shit. Basically they're saying like, without this, like how are people of color supposed to get anywhere without help? And then, of course, all of the people on the side of the Supreme Court decision is like, dude, fucking work hard. Like, it should be based on merit, you know? It has nothing to do with how how hard your childhood was. Like, we've talked about that before. Everybody's definition of what a hard childhood is is different. And, and there's infinite examples of someone who had what we would consider a really hard childhood, who's probably really successful today. And there's equal examples of people who had what we would consider a super easy, chill, laid back childhood who are probably huge fuck ups today. And they would still probably be like, yeah, but I didn't have the best home life. You know, my parents didn't tell me they loved me enough. And that was very traumatic for me. And some other guy's going to hear that and be like, my dad beat the shit out of me every day my whole life. And I'm a millionaire. You know, it's like none of these again, like being a thing doesn't automatically make you another thing. Yeah, it's like two people can be raised by the exact same people and one can be a piece of shit and the other one has issues their entire life. A lot of it is just a matter of how that person is made up, you know, Um I mean, I've known people who had everything handed to them and and not necessarily handed to them, but they had good parents and people that loved them and people that looked out for them and their education was paid for and everything else. And they just could never get their shit together. You know, it's just it's just life, you know, and it's going to kick everyone's ass besides Asian. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not going to be just minorities. I mean, white people are going to be, you know, left out of a lot of things, too, when it comes to just grades and that kind of thing so i don't know but that's what america was founded on if you're the best you rise to the top and and if you're not then you fall by the wayside and that's just kind of that's just kind of how it is but you can't give people stuff just because you know the color of their skin that's that's racist that's the definition yep and that's what the supreme court said all right you want to hear this bill maher thing yes it might uh, jump around a little bit, but I think once it gets going, we'll be A-OK. This clip, this is Bill Maher on Jimmy Kimmel, who is not a sane Democrat, in September of 2021, talking about how the Democrats and the mainstream media basically cause their base not to believe in truth. In this case, he's talking about COVID, but I think you can see how that then gets extrapolated through the race thing, the gender thing, and the rest of it. Take a look. But I have have to cite a a survey that was in the New York Times, which is a liberal paper, so they weren't looking for this answer. But 
they were talking about uh, this. The question was, what do you think the chances are that you would have to go to the hospital if you got COVID? Mm -hmm. And Democrats thought that was way higher than Republicans. Hmm. 41% of Democrats, and the answer is between 1% and 5%. Okay. 41% of Democrats thought it was over 50%. Another 28% thought it was 20 to 49%. So 70% of Democrats thought it was way, way, way higher than it really was. Liberal media has to take a little responsibility for that, for scaring the shit out of people. <laughs> and the reason why I'm bringing this up is uh -huh. because it's much harder for every touring act to sell tickets in blue states. Oh, interesting. They're afraid to go out of the house. I see. Whereas in red states, it's all good to go. Uh-huh. So I just want to say to those people in <laughs> San Rafael and Pittsburgh and New York, I ain't going to give it to you. I you promise, I, you know, it's safe. We, we're doing everything we can. There's distancing, there's masking. Uh, and enjoy, live life. You did get it in Embrace me. life. You did get it. I got it after I was vaccinated. So you got to give Bill Maher credit there, right? Like he's going into a far lefty talk show host show. Now they're friends, actually. We discussed it when I was on the Club Random podcast. They're friends. Obviously, you know my feelings about uh, blackface Jimmy Kimmel. Um, but the audience there, you could feel how quiet they are and how afraid of laughing they are because he's calling out their machine. It is the Democrat machine that made Democrats go COVID crazy. It is the Democrat and media machine, right? It is the cable news networks, it's big tech, all that, that monstrous machine we're always talking about that has caused a certain set of people that used to be sane moderates to all go bananas. So they can't differentiate between boys and girls anymore. They can't accept that we are not a systemically racist nation, et cetera, et cetera. So good for Bill Maher for trying to call that. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great video for, uh, <clears throat> you know, a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't know why I said they deserve a little bit of the credit for making Democrats crazy about COVID and all that, because they're a huge factor, not just a little bit. I mean, you know, that that is a great example of not just COVID being so widely having different, such widely different opinions about it, but the, the state of the entire country. I mean, I feel like I should sue mainstream media for losing some of my best friends that I, that I thought I had in my life that completely disagreed with me about some things. Um, you know, but I don't have a legal leg to stand on, but I wish I did. I would sue their ass off. Be like, this person was a great friend. Here's some great examples. And now it's all gone. So. That would be cool to have a court put a value on best friendship. Yeah. Right. They're like, if you if you are someone's best friend, that is worth the equivalent of eighty two million dollars over the course of a lifetime. And, and how are they allowed to just flat out lie about the shit they do? I mean, one to five percent is a hell of a lot lower than forty one or forty five or whatever he said. And I'm not a big Bill Maher fan, like as a person, I find him kind of pretentious, but he makes a good point about a lot of things and he seems like a pretty smart dude. He um, makes a good point there. We've got another Bill Maher clip that we can play pretty soon where you can see. And even in that clip, like like you said, he said, uh, uh, you know, like you have to take some of the credit for this. Like he he's closer than a lot of Democrats are to realizing that everything's bullshit, but he's still stuck on that 
level of like not everything's bullshit like you know like you can trust the new york times and and abc and stuff like that like they're not lying to you and people like me and you are listening going yes they fucking are like they're lying to you just as much as everybody else is but yeah i mean that was part of it and and i think we could probably go back and watch cnn or msnbc footage from covid time if it's not deleted from the internet by now but if we went back and watched that now then we would see that they weren't saying this has a 50 percent chance or whatever of putting you in the hospital they just weren't clarifying that it's only one percent or five percent if you're in your 90s or whatever you know so they were saying things like Hospital emergency rooms are at capacity without mentioning the fact that like a hospital emergency room holds like 10 people. If you're completely full, you know, maybe in a big city, it would hold 20 or 30 people. But it's still they make it sound like what you would see in the movies where it's just shoulder to shoulder packed with people with a line down the block like it's a dance club or something. And instead, they're just like, sorry, we don't have any beds left right now. And part of that was obviously the news being like, if you get this, like you're fucked. So people would get the sniffles and be like, I need to go to the fucking hospital. Like, I don't want to die. That's like, they're telling me I'm going to on the news. Like it was all connected, you know? Yeah. They, they lie by omitting things. That's one of their, that's one of their biggest things that they do to mislead people. They're like, well, we didn't say that. Well, you fucking might as well have, (laughs) you know, like, but yeah. they, they get away with it. It's all technicalities and and uh, yeah, just 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 enough to drive you crazy, man. And, and it does wear on me, you know, because you when you listen to the things we do and all that, you're like, well, people have got to be waking up. And but they're not. <laughs> Maybe they are. I'm just too negative. Yeah, I think I've gotten some messages in the last couple of weeks from people that that I didn't think were right leaning or left leaning or anything i knew nothing about it but just the messages that i've gotten of like damn dude i'm glad that you guys are doing this podcast like that's that's awesome that you're saying the truth and that kind of shit or at least asking questions you know well and we've got to be on the right track about some things because we're still relatively nobodies and they're still shadow banning us i mean we've been doing this for four this is our 45th week in a row and I've just now got people that are like, I didn't know you guys have been doing this. I'm like, well, I've put something up about it every single week. I'm not sure what else to do. Yeah. But you it's know. also, I mean, Facebook is sort of the gauge, you know, and like I'm sure a little bit of it has to do with the fact that we're not uploading it directly to Facebook. Like Facebook likes for you to put your videos on Facebook as opposed to linking to some outside source, you know, Twitter's the same way. Like I actually, we should probably do that with this week's episode. Maybe we'll start this week and just upload them separately directly to all this shit. I don't even know if you can put an hour long video on Facebook. I know you can on Twitter. All right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to try that. I mean, like I said, a lot of people, have never they had no idea we were doing it at all um and and, you know some other people have said i think you guys are getting shadow banned and you know they're probably just doing that to everyone it's not like they're like we got to stop balding and (laughs) gay 
but you know i don't care about those other people i care about our show so all right let's um we talked a week or two ago about uh, Saul Alinsky. So I, I was trying to find somebody talking about him and connecting him to Obama and Hillary and that kind of stuff. And, and I learned some things. What I learned was uh, he died in like the fifties or something like that, or the sixties or early seventies, something like that. So, uh, well, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Cause that's part of the Bill Maher clip that I want to show. But uh, first of all, I thought we would just let everybody know what are the rules for radicals. So this is uh, this was like a 13 minute video. I chopped it down to just cover the rules and like a few extra sentences. But uh, let's watch this. Ready? Yeah. And real quick for people that I'll don't look know. At the rules Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick for the people who don't know, Saul Alinsky is he was like the mentor of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and. He basically outlined how to destroy a country from the inside out and to rubber all the seeds of discontent and all that stuff, the sores of discontent. Um, and all the things that, that Obama especially was so great at during his time, um, it all came from this particular guy, Saul Alinsky. All right, let's hear the rules. Rule number one, power is not what you have but what your enemy thinks you have. Rule number two, never go outside the experience of your people. Rule number three, always go outside the experience of your enemy. Keep your enemy always a little off kilter. Make sure your enemy doesn't know exactly how to respond. Increase uncertainty and fear. Make them address issues that are distracting, that they aren't expecting to address, that they might not know how to address. Rule number four, make the enemy live up to their own book of rules. And this is extremely important, and this is straight out of Antonio Gramsci, the Italian communist. Catch your enemy lying and hold him to that but don't hold yourself to any standards at all whatsoever. Rule number, four, uh, rule number five, ridicule is man's most, in, most potent weapon. If you can turn your enemy into an object of ridicule, there's almost no defense for that. Number six, a good tactic is one your people enjoy. Well, duh, of course. If people enjoy what they're doing, they will do it with more vigor and more imagination, and they'll be much more involved in the process. Rule number seven, a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. Your people get bored. Rule number eight, keep pressure on. Don't give your adversary a chance to regroup. If you let up, it may give the crisis management team for your opponent a chance to figure out a way to counterattack, so always keep the pressure up. Rule number nine, the threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. And this works with the earlier rule to imply power. Adversaries will expend inordinate resources to defend themselves against a threat that you may not even have the power to 
to fulfill. So make the threats, imply the power, and you can really keep your adversaries off guard. Rule number 10, the major premise for tactics is that the development of operations that will maintain a constant pressure upon the opposition. Rule number 11, if you push a negative hard enough and deep enough, it will break through to its counterside. Now what they mean by that is you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and eventually you may win sympathy from the public at large or you may push your opponent into overreacting which can earn you sympathy from the public at large. Rule number 12, the price of a successful attack is having a constructive alternative. That is, you have to have a demand, you have to have a solution because you may have your opponent simply cave in. This is especially true in legislative battles or demands for public policy changes. So you need to have a demand so if they cave, you can tell them what you want. Rule number 13, and this is the favorite of the left. We see it in every campaign. We see it on MSNBC regularly. Pick the target, freeze it personalize it, polarize it. They pick their targets on the right and they try to make these people radioactive, hurling the epithet racist at anybody and everybody they want to make these people untouchable. That is their favorite. All right. Sorry, that was a little long, but I just wanted to just so everybody knows exactly what it is that we're talking about. That dude wrote that book in, I don't remember when, the late 50s, early 60s, something like that. And when you say that he was Obama's mentor or whatever, when you say mentor, I think of like a person that he knew in real life that like taught him lessons and stuff like that. He was just a, a book that they read. But they that book was very popular in Obama's college time. Saul Alinsky was a Chicago guy too. Obama's a Chicago guy. So he was like super into these things. And, and if you look at any of the 13 rules individually, you can look at the rule and see an example of it in real life today, you know, of them trying to make somebody look like a piece of shit without discussing the facts or, you know, threatening things. And then when, when they don't get their way, we all learn like the thing that they were threatening didn't actually exist. It never actually happened. That kind of shit. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's a very popular tactic. Do you, do you think Obama would be the hardest one for people to convince um, that he was up to no good, like right from the start? Because that's what, that's what a lot of people say. You know, he came out of nowhere. He was he was I I I implemented to help destroy this country. And I know how grandiose that sounds to people. I get it. Um, but I don't know, man. The more I learn about Obama, the more I'm like, maybe they were right about all of that shit. Yeah, I don't know. According to the Q posts and stuff, like before all this is over, Obama will claim uh, Kenyan citizenship to avoid prosecution. So I don't know if that's ever going to end up happening or not. But but the fact remains, uh, 
a lot of this shit that Biden is starting to get in trouble for now happened when he was Obama's vice president. So logically, you have to assume that Biden wasn't getting away with any of this stuff secretly. Like Obama had to know that that Biden was doing this stuff and maybe he was taking a little cut of it on the side. Who knows? Um, but no, I think the more Biden stuff that comes out, which uh, again, just points to all of this being a bullshit ruse just put on to explain to America and the world how fucked up our political system is. But just so happens that the guy who did all this shit wrong and has blatant evidence to prove that he did a bunch of shit wrong is the guy who's now president. And I don't know, it just seems too good to be true. If you're in the position where you're like, I want to show everybody the stuff that this guy did wrong. Cause if Trump was president right now and they were releasing all this information about Biden, most people would be like, dude, fucking leave him alone. Like his son was a poor, innocent addict and he's just a demented old man. He's not even in politics anymore. Like why are we even talking about this? But having him there as president, people have to eventually be like, fuck, man, he did all of this. Yeah. And going back to what you're saying about Barack claiming Kenyan citizenship or whatever, I know you're not a lawyer, but would that be enough? I mean, if you were a, if you were a complete fraud president and not only that, but I mean, think about how many, Think about how many crimes against humanity that guy committed as far as like murdering all the women and children he did, you know, off the face of the earth. Um, you know, I mean, that seems like a pretty big deal. It seems like you can't just claim um, I'm actually a Kenyan. So fuck off. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the uh, I don't know if uh, Kenya has like, what is that? Like an extraction rule or whatever that word is. Extradition extradition yeah i don't know if kenya would just be like nope he's here now and he's safe then then that would lead to like a u.s war with kenya i don't know i can't see that happening but who knows we'll see what happens but i think just uh, as far as people waking up and stuff more people know today that O'Biden and his whole family have done a bunch of fucked up shit possibly illegal me and you think definitely illegal, but at least people on the left are like, God damn, like maybe Biden did do some things wrong. Maybe his son did steal some money or get bribed or whatever. Like, so people aren't opening their eyes. They're not waking up in the way that we are where they're like, everything's bullshit, but they're starting to question things. They're where I was in 2015, you know? Yeah, well, I just hope for I just hope that we're not sitting in like a nursing home someday going, I knew it, we knew it, we said it forty <laughs> years ago, you know, uh, before that shit actually happens and all these people are dead. Yeah, but I mean, that's it's if I would still of the two options of nothing ever gets fixed or it does get fixed, but it's thirty years from now. I'll still take the 30 years from now option. Like, I don't know how deep Q got into that sort of thing, but he's definitely mentioned the idea of like, it's like, this isn't for us. This is for all the future generations of America. Uh, like this is for our children and grandchildren and that kind of stuff. So 
who knows? We might be in that exact position where we're fucking 80 and being like, I, I was telling you all along. But I don't I mean, I can't see this situation that we're in lasting another 20 or 30 years, you know, without us going to like war or whatever. I can't see every other country sitting back and letting this happen the way that they're letting it happen right now. Yeah, I mean, I sure hope we're not like episode 7,952 <laughs> of The Truth Again. <laughs> well, before we get too far off Saul Alinsky, I want to... Um, so we know at least that Obama read the book, cared about the book, might have even like taken some classes specifically about the book, um, Rules for Radicals. So then... Uh, Bill Maher, this is like back in 2011 or something, but this is just an example of the kind of shit that they use to make us look like idiots. Um, here's his thing on it, and I, ch I chopped a lot of it down, but uh, here's one minute of Bill Maher being full of shit. I even asked Suri, the voice in my phone, <laughs> who is Saul Alinsky? She said, fuck if I know. <laughs> Surrey said that. So I Wikipedia'd the guy. Instantly, I discovered the problem. He liked black people. Way back in the 30s, he started organizing the civil rights movement, and as a historian like Newt Gingrich will tell you, the civil rights movement turned out to be a huge burden on white people. Alinsky also fought slumlords and taught poor people to band together to improve their lives, or what Mitt Romney calls a divider. <laughs> so I tried skipping to the part where he and Obama became BFFs. But that part never happened since he died when Obama was 10. And yet somehow it turns out that this guy, who was never a communist or even a socialist, has become the right wing's all-encompassing figure of evil, a radical activist who controls Barack Obama from the grave. <laughs> you know... Yeah. yeah, see, that's the pretentious part I'm talking about, and that's one of the left's best weapons, is they, you know, even Jon Stewart used to do that stuff. He would address things and make people who felt a certain way look completely stupid, but it was all just, it was all just bullshit, you know, like as far as they, they, they're, it's like they think they, I'm not explaining this very well. They do a very good job of making people think that anyone who's on the right is an idiot, you know, and they do a really good job of it. Speaking of like all the late night pundits and all those dicks. Um, did I explain that at all? I don't think I did. Yeah, here's an NPR article from 2009 that says, you may not recognize his name at first, but Saul Alinsky served as the inspiration behind President Obama's initiative to become a community organizer in Chicago. Um, oh, I got to sign up to read the rest of it, but they weren't shy about it back when Obama was first president, you know, they were like, fuck yeah, Saul Alinsky and Hillary was the same way. Like I follow a lot of Alinsky's rules and that kind of shit. And then Bill Maher comes out and says shit like that. Like, we don't even know who you're talking about. And it's like, yeah, you fucking do. You know exactly who we're talking about. You're just saying this to make idiots think that we're the idiots. Exactly. Yes. That's a much better way to explain what I tried to say. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's like you, you can, you can, Hitler can be your mentor, you know, and just because you read about him, it doesn't mean you had to know that piece of shit for real to know what he, what he was all about, you know, yeah, they've been doing that stuff forever. You want to watch some bears fight for a minute? Yes. This was, uh, the whole thing's nine minutes. I didn't, I only got uh one minute, nine seconds of it, but look it up on Twitter. If you just look up bear fight, um, this is like the closest that people, yeah, fucking let's watch it. Dude, this is going to happen dangerously close to us. Bear's like, all right, dude, all right. And they still fight for another fucking eight minutes after this, but it's just such good video and they're so close. You can like hear the bears and shit. good takedowns and stuff it looks like like you're into wrestling and shit that's what i thought of when i first saw it was like they're just wrestling with each other yeah it looked like a couple of heavyweights going at it and it was hard to tell which guy was whooping which guy like after they flipped around and shit i'm like wait who's winning now yep i know i felt the same way the first time i watched it but anyway that was just a little palate cleanser before we get into more bullshit um <laughs> do you want to hear uh this dude talk about vaccines or do you want to hear jim caviezel talk about adrenochrome um well let's talk about vaccines first and then adrenochrome all right here's uh i don't know if it's dr steve kirsch or just a guy named steve kirsch about halfway through this the sound gets weird but it'll go away like 10 seconds after it gets weird but uh okay how many children or people are are to like totally unvaccinated? Is that con like where where do you find? Is it just the uh, parents that stepped up and said? I would think that's a very small percentage because yeah, so many of us blindly followed you know uh, the recommendations to vaccinate children. Yeah, it's uh, le it's less than one percent of the public. So uh, the Amish are a perfect example of a uh, large uh, group of people who are uh, largely unvaccinated. And there's no autism. We can't find an autistic kid who was unvaccinated. It's very, very rare in the Amish community. Very, very rare. You won't find kids with ADD, with autoimmune disease, with panda pans, with epilepsy. You just don't find any of these chronic diseases in the Amish. And, you know, the U.S. government has been studying the Amish for decades. But there's never been a report out to the public. The reason, of course, is it would, it would show that, oh, if you don't follow our guidelines, you're going to end up healthier. That's why there's no report after decades of studying the Amish. There's no report because the report would be devastating to the narrative. It would show that the CDC has been harming the public for decades and saying nothing and burying all the data. 
fact, there was a 10-year study done by Dr. Paul Thomas. And of course, they got it. They got that uh, study retracted unethically in violation of the COPE guidelines. That 10-year study showed that the kids who got measles were the kids who were vaccinated against measles. The kids who got mumps were the kids who were vaccinated against mumps. The kids who did not get any vaccines did not get any of the diseases that the kids were vaccinated against, were vaccinated. So when you talk about you shouldn't be discriminated against because you didn't get a vaccine, you should be applauded because you didn't get a vaccine, because you did the right thing. If you're a parent and you didn't vaccinate your kids, you should be applauded because you did the, did the research and you found out that vaccines are causing chronic disease in America. There's a study that was done by the control group. They have over a thousand people who are unvaccinated. The health outcomes in those people is night and day comparison uh, with fully vaccinated people. Uh, we have a, like a 60% rate of people with a chronic disease in America. If you've not been vaccinated at all, the rate is close to zero. And of course, none of this is talked about. They tried to get the CDC to do a study of the vaccinated, fully vaccinated versus the fully unvaccinated. In 2005, CDC director Judy Gerberding promised to do such a study. She said, yes, we should do such a study. It's important that we do a study now. We can refine it later. And that was nearly 20 years ago. And that study has never been done. And it will never be done because they don't want people to know that all these vaccines have been harming people since the very beginning. There is no safe vaccine, not a single one. Boom. Boom, indeed, man. I, I, you know, I was one of those people who used to think people who didn't get vaccinated were stupid and this and that. And I'm sure there are still some vaccines that are are worth having. I don't know. I'm not an expert on that by any means, but at least I'm smart enough to admit that I very well could have been wrong about it. And I would have never given my kid a COVID vaccine. You know, I have a friend or I, I don't know if we're still friends or not, but she was like, well, I asked my doctor and I'm like, well, your doctor doesn't know shit. You know, right. he's just a general practitioner. They don't they don't know their body mechanics. They go, well, it's probably this. Take this. Not to mention he, he gets some money for for every thing he convinces you of, you know? Yeah, I, I think I told you my doctor personally, he, he was like, have you had the vaccine? And I was like, no. And he goes, why not? And I explained to him why not. And he goes, well, I recommend it. And then he paused and he goes, but they also tell me to tell you that. Like, he doesn't fucking know. They don't know. You yeah. know, and, oh, my kid got the HPV, HPV vaccine, so I trust my doctor on this, too. And I'm like, well, that's completely different things. And I think they were probably wrong about the HP vaccine as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, that alone is kind of weird anyway, because they're like, hey, bring your nine-year-old in. We know that they're not fucking yet, but they're gonna. They're gonna soon, so you better get them some anti-STD vaxes. So they yeah. can get out there and fuck as much as they want to. And it's like, I don't still, I don't think we should be pushing that idea on kids. I think we should 
the way it was when I was a kid was if you brought up sex to an adult, they would go, you don't talk about things like that. And we would giggle and run away and we would talk about sex amongst our friends, you know, but we were, we still knew enough to be secretive about it. So when sex things actually started happening, we carried that, that secretiveness with us. And we did the sex things that we did quietly and respectfully, you know, as opposed to what I think it's going to be 10 years from now, which is just like 12 year olds blowing their boyfriend on their parents' couch, like being like, mom, get out of here. And the mom's like, sorry, kids like that yeah. kind of shit. And I don't, I don't think that's good for the country. No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, in my you, opinion that's not good well you would think that would be a common sense thing and it probably was at some point but you're right it's probably going to get so far away from that i mean it makes me cringe to think about and uh, that's why my kid will never go to public school well and let's listen to this guy tell us more reasons why I would not recommend sending kids anymore unless it's a private school that's very conservative. I would not send kids to a, a public school because the the culture now is so they are brainwashing these young kids and there's an agenda. It's a very well funded agenda. Um, transhumanism is part of it. There's a whole transhumanist agenda now. Uh, that that a lot of these hot, big tech people are very committed to, um, and so that that's that's my concern. I mean, you may have had the good fortune of going to a good private school. I mean, I did. I went to good. I went. I went to a very good high school, Catholic high school. Um, you know, but uh, I I think these schools now are just too dangerous. And I know England and Canada are are worse actually in some ways than America because America there's a lot more resistance you know they're putting up a fight mm -hmm. uh, but in in England it's a lot harder I mean this poor Anglican priest got fired for tweeting out that um, same-sex marriage was you know oh man it's, it's hard to believe you know he was at a religious institution and they fired him for tweeting out the official doctrine of the Anglican Church because it was insensitive or something. Yeah, there's another music video. I don't know why they freaking do that. I don't either. I I guess some people think the algorithm plays more of your shit if you're using some of their music too. And I don't know if that's true or not. I've tried it with a few videos. I've thrown some music in the background and turned it down to like 1%. So it still counts as being played, but it's not like intrusive and it didn't it didn't help or hurt yeah all right so next subject um you want to talk about uh hunter biden stuff and the message and all that shit you know that whole story um i know several stories which one are you referring to um they came out with a WhatsApp message that Hunter Biden sent to a Chinese guy that was like, I'm sitting here next to my dad. Fucking send this us the, the money. This is the one Trump read, right? Yeah. You want to hear him read it? Yeah, this is great. Let's go. Remember when the Democrats used to love whistleblowers? They don't like the whistleblowers now. <laughs> Revealed that Crooked Joe sat in a room while his son Hunter messaged a Chinese Communist Party official and said to this 
Chinese Party official, I quote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. This is cash he's talking about. Tell the director, and it doesn't get reported in the newspapers, tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means right now. It means tonight. You believe this? I didn't know he was that tough. (laughs) And if I get a call or a text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, my father, right next to me, Pop, hi, Pop, (laughs) and every person he knows, you will regret not following my direction. Now, can you imagine the newspapers not reporting this? Not a word of it in any of them, in any of them, mainstream. I'm sitting here waiting for the call, he said, with my father. I'm sitting here with my father waiting for the call. In other words, send us money. Within 10 days, the Bidens got $5.1 million from China for absolutely no reason. They got $5.1 million. In fact, they've taken tens of millions of dollars from China. And that's probably why maybe he's not complaining about the fact that they're building military bases in Cuba. Maybe that's the reason, I guess. Dude, mainstream media has got to be dismantled. I mean, how the fuck are they never going to talk about that stuff? They're, they're slowly starting to. Um, did we play that? Uh, oh, I don't have it. Actually, I could probably find it. Um, did you see the press secretary the other day when they finally started like asking her some questions about it? And she was like, I'm not going to answer that. Yeah, I think I may have. They had it was the first time in in years since Trump, I guess, that everybody in the press room was sort of asking the same question. So one guy was like, hey, we saw this text. Like, will you comment on it? And Corrine Jean-Pierre is like, no, I'm not going to comment on it. Like, next question, you over here. And that person's like, I'm just want to follow up on the last guy's question. Like, no comment on this at all. And she's like, I told you no. Like, we're going to refer you to the White House counsel or whatever. And she's like, okay, you over here. And that guy's like, I just want to ask the exact same question as the last guy. Like, Everybody was on board like that, and I thought it was uh, kind of cool. Here's, uh, before we get off this subject, uh, somebody asked Biden about it yesterday, and he screamed at him. Not really, but he he definitely got agitated, you can tell. This is only like 10 seconds long. Watch. Biden, how involved, President Biden, how involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? It's were you involved? involved? No. You want to watch it again? Let's watch it again. President Biden, how involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? Were you involved? No. Were you? No. You can tell he's fucking irritated, and he's like, "I don't want to be talking about this. My son's the smartest man I know." Yeah, fuck, I hope they get what's coming to them, man. We'll see. Um, we'll see. It's going to be very interesting to find out how this plays out. I agree. All right, uh, so now we're down to, oh, uh, let's see, the Jim Caviezel thing or uh, RFK Jr. talking for a couple minutes. 
Yeah, we should probably close out on the uh, Jim Caviezel thing, because I would like to talk about RFK for a second. Um, Trump came out and said that he respected RFK Jr., which is something you don't hear much out of Trump. Um, how cool would it be if they were somehow on the same side? But I, regardless of if they're on the same side or not, which, you know, who knows. But um, he is certainly potentially waking up Democrats to a lot of the things going on in the, in the country. And it'd be very interesting to, I, I don't think they're going to let anybody but Biden become the guy or Michelle Obama for that matter. Um, because RFK Jr. is too much of a loose cannon for him. He, he tells the truth about shit and they can't have that. Correct. Yeah. Which is a shame because I like him a lot. Yeah. You want to hear him talk for a minute? Yeah. All right. Say that you're a Democrat, um, but you're getting a lot of support from a, a lot of leading voices on the right, like Steve Bannon, Tucker Carlson, Alex Jones, former President Donald Trump. Many Democrats fear that you're a spoiler in the race, that you will damage President Biden in the primary and grease the skids for former President Trump to return to the Oval Office. This week, former President Trump said about you, Kennedy is smart, and he's a common-sense guy. What kind of man do you think Donald Trump is? Well, you know, here's what I'm not going to do in this race. I'm not going to attack other people per personally. I don't think it's good for our country. And I think, you know, what I'm trying to do in this race is bring people together, is to try to bridge the divide between Americans. And guess what? The you know, when my dad died and we took this train ride from, you know, this seven and a half hour train ride that was supposed to be two hours. And I brought his, I was with him when he died in Los Angeles. And then we brought his body from, uh, from New York, Penn Station to Union Station and Washington, D.C. And there were, there were, it was a two and a half hour ride, but it took seven and a half hours because there were two and a half million people on that train track. And, and it was the cross-section of America and all of the major urban stations in Trenton, Newark, uh, uh, Wilmington, and Baltimore, there were black Americans singing Battle Hymn of the Republic. There were whites on the, in the rural areas who, loved, who were holding up signs, goodbye, Bobby, pray for us, Bobby, American flag, standing, saluting. Four years later, and they had supported my father in the primaries in 1968. Four years later, in 1972, they were not supporting my father, and they were not support. They were not supporting George McGovern, who was aligned with my father on all these issues. Instead, the vast majority of them were supporting George Wallace. And, you know, there, my father was able to harness these populist energies. In the last day of his life, he won the most rural state in this country, South Dakota, and the most urban. He was able to bridge the divide on people who would otherwise be Republican, but wanted somebody who was common sense, who was able to appeal to their idealism, who was able to find the hero in each of them, who was able to get them to transcend narrow self-interest and see themselves as part of a community and part of this you know, incredible American adventure in, in modeling self-governance for the rest of the world. And so I'm proud that President Trump likes me even though I don't agree with him on most of his issues. I'm, because I don't want to alienate people. I want to bring people together. I'm proud that all these people like me and that I have independent supporters and Democratic supporters and that I'm able to bring a lot of people. You know, every Democrat says, I want to end the polarization. 
But how do you do that without talking to people who don't agree with you? How do you do that without appealing to people? Without the per My purpose is to find the issues, the values that we have in common, rather than you know, focus on the issues and the personalities but, that keep us all apart. Uh you can hear that lady at the end still trying to fucking but uh, now another thing is like not listening to him you could see her hand in the middle of that like wanting to chime in and be like but trump is a piece of shit right like just wanting him to say something negative about him but he's like no nah, i think it's cool yeah i mean you know because of the way we feel about what's happening in this country and the corruption and all that I mean, we're obviously wanting Trump to win, um, but I would be okay with a guy like Bobby Kennedy becoming the president. I just don't think that the establishment would ever let that happen. No, not until uh, the swamp gets drained, you know, and I don't think Kennedy is is the guy to do that because he's like a he's like a real Democrat. And none of the other Democrats are like that right now. So he's just a, a fish out of water, you know? Yeah. But I do think it's good that, yeah, I mean, he's he's making a lot of people on the left actually talk about the vaccine stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are still like, I don't want to say brainwashed, but I guess that's the word. Like they're convinced that, no, all these vaccines are good. And the fact that, autism rates have like gone up a billion percent in just our lifetimes, like total coincidence. It has nothing to do with the fact that, that the number of vaccines have also gone up a billion percent in our lifetime. And I may be wrong on those figures, but I'm pretty sure it's a billion percent on both of them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, they're either, they're either brainwashed or they're just, they, they realize that if they're wrong or they're, they, they realize that if guys like Kennedy are right, then they're screwed and no one wants to admit that. So they would rather just act like they're not right and hope it goes away, which, you know, that's the human condition. We all get that way about something. Yeah, I guess so. So, OK, this last video here, I I hope that he's wrong and I hope that none of this is true and that this is the one conspiracy theory that that we were all just fucking idiots about. And I hope that every child in the world is totally safe and happy. However, uh, there's a theory out there that, uh, that like there's crack and there's heroin and, and those are awesome and everything. But then even more awesome than that is something called adrenochrome. And, there's some scientists or some doctors or I, some fucking idiots on Twitter who insist that that's not even a thing. It doesn't even exist. But there are others who are like, no, it absolutely does. Jim Caviezel being one of them. So for people who just have no idea about this theory at all, they say that adrenochrome comes from the blood. And so you can take blood out of someone and then somehow the same way that, that you would like donate plasma at a plasma donation place, you can like remove the adrenochrome from the blood. And then I don't know what they do with it. Smoke it, snort it, inject it, whatever the fuck. It's allegedly the best drug on the earth. And it opens your, your third eye, your pineal gland and makes you feel 
the way that God would feel or just, I don't know, whatever. But so over the course of time, they figured out, assuming that this is true, they figured out that the best source of adrenochrome is from children. And on top of that, they found that the best source of child adrenochrome comes from children who are terrified out of their fucking minds. So if all of that's true, then what they do is they steal a kid from somewhere or take a kid that somebody gives them willingly, I guess. They proceed to torture the shit out of them, scare the shit out of them. And then when they're at the, the best point for this, they fucking kill them. And then they take their blood and do adrenochrome shit with it. And like I said, I would like to believe that none of that's true. But the more stuff that I hear, the more numbers that I see about the, the tens or hundreds of thousands of missing kids that there are every year. I don't know. So Jim Caviezel made a new movie, and I think it's called uh, The Sound of Freedom. And it's all about people that traffic kids and and i guess it's about adrenochrome and whatnot it comes out on the fourth of july um but here's him talking a little bit about his path or whatever the last 10 years or so okay passion of the christ and we had when the movie was over two people that had committed murder came forward and um turned themselves in that was how powerful that film is. This one has the reverse. You watch it, you feel God's love and the power in this movie, Sound of Freedom, and it makes you unafraid. Um, I was willing to come forward and speak truthfully on things like adrenochrome, organ harvesting, and was severely reprimanded by much of the media and they claim their fact checkers uh, knew more, but they don't know like you guys know. I put you up against them anytime. And so, but I was a burden that I was no longer burdened with anymore. My career, I would never put in front of the children. And I just ask you to look in your heart to go to the film Sound of Freedom, which is a phenomenal movie, which represents you. And let that be your word against what these liars have done for a long, long time. Your word, which is from God, and to speak the truth to the American people. My prayers are with you. I love you guys. Thank you for all the help that you gave me. So from the <laughs> reviews that I've read and stuff like it's uh, it's a it's the movie is very hard to watch, but everybody says you have to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and I understand it. You know, my my wife, she I don't want to say she was into this stuff, but she was at first. But then, the you know, we, we got a small child and it's very hard to watch and learn about some of this stuff especially when you have small children, because you don't want to think about it. But then you have to think about all the innocent kids that this could potentially be happening to. And, and if it's not true, at least on some level, I don't know why people like Jim Caviezel would come out and, and not just him. There's been lots of celebrities come out and say there's been uh, there's a lot of awful things that happen in Hollywood and have historically. 
and I don't know what they would possibly get out of making all that shit up. Yeah, I don't either. That's what tells me that it might be true. But, I mean, I I, I don't think they're lying. I guess I'm just holding out on the, the possibility that they're wrong, you know? Yeah, well, I hope so too. But the more I learn about how deep things go or they seem to go or how things just don't make sense. Um, it's still something I don't want to believe. Um, and when, when you sit down, it's very easy to convince yourself that it's not true. But again, I always go back to nine 11. And if they did that and that <laughs> very look, much looks like it was bullshit, then what other evil things are they willing to do? Or, or if you're, if you worship Satan, who's all about pain and lying and hate and all that, then what won't you do? You know, I don't know, man, I, I get it. Why people think it's crazy and all that. I, I, we talked about it last week, but doesn't mean it's not. Yeah. I, it's just, that's one of the most, I mean, it's like, it's, I guess it's the most sensitive subject. Like people don't, it's easy for them to get away with it because people like us are like, I don't even want to hear about it, dude. Like, let alone see it, see a movie about it. You know, like, I don't, I don't want to, to see a kid in that position where they, are scared. I don't I don't like to, you know, if you're at the grocery store or something and you see a, a little three-year-old by themselves crying, like, I don't even like that feeling where you're like, Oh no, where's your mommy? You know, like, let's, let's find her, you know, like that's never happened to me, but I've seen it in movies and stuff. And I know that it happens like that alone is enough to make me like feel uncomfortable. You know, I can't imagine a kid like, I don't know what you do to a kid to scare the shit out of them, but I bet a lot of it has to do with like the entertainment that we watch, you know, clowns and fucking scary clowns and werewolf type shit, like stuff like that would probably terrify the shit out of a kid, you know? Yeah, it, it doesn't take much. I mean, I've raised my voice to my son before, especially if he's not listening to me and just that look on their face, that quick, you know, jerk. Um, yeah, I can't imagine like continuing that, you know, like, oh, you're scared. Well, how about this? You know, like it makes me feel terrible even watching him jump like that. So I get why people don't believe that people could be that evil, but they can and they very well likely are. Yeah, there was a I don't have the video of it, but a guy came out the other day and was talking about he was like a I don't know if he was an FBI guy or a sheriff or what, but. He was talking about a, a slew of recent uh, like child porn arrests that they made. And he held up the picture of the guy and he was like, this guy worked at Disney World. And he's like, um, I forget how he said it exactly. But the point he was making was like, this guy got a job at Disney World because that's where the kids are like this. And he went through and not overly graphic, but enough troubling detail about you know, this guy had pictures of fucking like one year olds with their hands tied behind their back. Like who who does that to a kid? And that's the sheriff saying this stuff, you know, like and this guy had videos of this and all of and whatever else kids between the ages of like one and seven and that kind of shit. And he's like, this is 
what we're fighting, you know, like it's just, I don't know. And then it's weird because Twitter, I guess is a good example, but just the public in general will go out of their way to talk about how much of a piece of shit, like Leonardo DiCaprio is because he only wants to date 19 year olds or whatever, or like Jerry Seinfeld met his wife when she was 17 and then they got married, like all these fucking creeps and pedophiles and shit. And then somebody comes out and they're like, uh, yeah, they did it to a five-year-old too. And people are like, nah, we don't need to fucking talk about that. And it's like, it's just what people are comfortable talking about, but people getting mad at Leo and Seinfeld at least shows that somewhere in their brain, they're like, this isn't right. You know? Yeah. I mean, and there are some people who can't hear anything, you know, like I've got a joke in my act where I make fun of something that happened to me when I was a kid. And, and the, I, I, my friend of mine came to a show and he was like, it was so funny. There were two women. And when you did that joke, one of them was laughing hysterically. And the other one goes, that's not funny. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, I can't joke about some shit that happened to me. You know, like that's what you have to do really. Uh, to get past anything is have a sense of humor about it. But I understand people not having a sense of humor about this kind of thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it's, you know, some people won't hear any of it. And I get frustrated sometimes my wife. I'm like, hey, do you want to watch this? She'll be like, no. And I'm like, damn it. We need to watch this. <laughs> you know, yep. not necessarily about sex trafficking or any of that kind of stuff. Just something going on in the world. And she's just like, I just want to relax. I don't want to think about that stuff. And I'm like, I know you don't. I don't want to either. But if we continue to just do this as a society, then it's going to continue to happen. Yeah. And then I, we're going way over today, but then that also connects to, um, you know, all of the uh, like trans acceptance and, and the different, not the LGB, but everything after that, that they're trying to get people to just accept as normal. And I think part of that is so eventually they can be like, and, and little kids too. And then by that time, people are just exhausted and they're like, whatever, dude. Fucking, yeah, we accept everybody. Fucking do whatever you want. Instead of being like, no, you can't do that the way that we should be and the way that more people are starting to be now. So, yeah. all right. I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. And it'd be a lot easier if we had any kind of credible mainstream media, which we don't. No, but Twitter is the, you know, the, in the, what is the word? Like individual reporters, citizen journalists are, they're the news now. People talk about it all the time when, and Elon mentions it a lot more than, than uh, anybody else that's in his position or whatever. Just talking about like, by the time the New York Times comes out with a story, it's been on Twitter for five hours, you know, like. They're not telling us anything that we didn't know. We don't need newspapers anymore. We don't need the news. Like we can go straight to the source. And I think that's the direction that we're heading. So I don't think all of these news stations are going to last. I hope not. And if you're watching this, but you don't watch Tucker Carlson, um, you need to start because he he's killing it these days. His, his uh, episode yesterday about Kennedy was pretty good. Yeah. No, he's got, and he's doing it right too. Like little 10, 15 minute episodes that you can just watch quickly. There's no bullshit. Like, I like it. 
Yeah. All right. Well, if that's it, we'll wrap it up for the day and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Episode 46. Yep. And uh, all the information has been scrolling across the bottom the whole time. Don't forget to share and follow and like and fucking do whatever else I wrote there. I said, please share, like, thumbs up, repost, retweet, or just hold up your phone and show it to someone. <laughs> Either way, just tell people that we exist. Yeah, please do. All right. Good, good episode. Talk to you all next week. Later, dude. Bye-bye.